Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. This is Stefan Gonick from singletosoulmate.me for our next uh Single to Soulmate Breakthrough Program live Q&A call. And uh, I got a bunch of email questions this time. And I also have people live on the call here. So just remind everybody who are, who are live on the call, uh, if you phoned in, you can let me know that you'd like to talk at any point by pressing star 8. And you don't have to wait till I'm done answering a question or anything. Just go ahead and press star 8 anytime, and I'll respond to you as the first opportunity. And for those of you who are... Uh, listening on to the webcast, you can type messages to me in the chat box. The one issue with that is it only um, shows me the first four lines of what you typed. So if you need to type a message longer than four lines, just submit that chunk of four lines and then type the next four lines. Just keep doing that until you finish. Um, the, the little chat box will keep scrolling, and you think it's working, but I only see the first four lines. Uh, unfortunate limitation of the system. But other than that, everything else works great. So, uh, like I said, I got a bunch of email questions this time, and but it's also so great to talk to people directly on the phone because we can discuss the question. I could ask for background information. You can respond to my answer even. So it's the most satisfying way to do this. But uh, we only have one hour, so I'm going to go ahead and start with the first email question. And like I say... Press star 8 at any point. Let me know you want to say something, and I will call on you. Um, actually, I prefer to start with somebody online on the call, so I just saw one. So I'm going to go ahead and call on the person in southwest Louisiana. So you Hi, are Hi, this is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, my question is, um, my background is my father was very critical and he always looked at what was lacking. If I did well, he noticed uh, what was lacking, what was not 100%. Mm. And I noticed that I do that with my partners. And so in the tapping, is that going to help me um, to stop doing that? Yes. That's the really cool thing about this healing process, is that one of the sad things in human life and experience is that when we get wounded by uh, the way a parent treats us, we absorb their energy. And we find ourselves compulsively doing the same thing, even mm-hmm. though it horrifies us to do it. Right. But we feel helpless to do anything about it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, with a lot of willpower, we can try and reduce it. But it's this, we've absorbed what they did to us, and we will then do the same thing to ourselves, Right? There's probably you're probably finding fault within yourself. Yes. Right? And we'll do it to other people because we just we absorb their energy. Okay. And it's like a scanning. Like I'm scanning the events or the conversations to find something that's just not quite right. Yeah, you're looking for what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the thing. 
Um, and I had the same thing. My, my dad was had a critical eye, uh, and I absorbed that. And so I developed a critical eye. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll give you an example of that. I, I used to um, compete uh, in, in uh, swing dancing. Right, so I would attend all these events, and I would compete in them and watch all the other dancers. And I'd be sitting next to a friend watching these people in competition who are like high-level competitors, right, good dancers. And I'd be doing this running commentary of everything they're doing wrong. Like, yeah. oh, well, you missed a step there. Oh, this, oh, this. Mm-hmm. you know, it's like crazy when you think about it. These are like great dancers, and there's a lot to appreciate. So uh, for me, I just decided, you know, I just realized what I was doing at one point, and I just decided for myself, okay, from now on, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to look for what's right and have a running commentary of things I'm liking. So I just okay. try to make it a new practice. And you can do that too. Okay. But the deeper thing is to do is to heal the wound. So the wound of being criticized, the wound of him always finding what's wrong and not appreciating what's right, you want to think of an example of that, ideally the youngest one you can remember him doing. And you want to do a couple different steps in the healing process. The first step is just to feel the hurt and sadness of it, right? So when you're, you're wanting praise, you're wanting appreciation, and instead he's finding something wrong, even when you do well. In fact, that'd be a good example of memory. It's like a time when you did something well, and yet he found something to point out that was wrong. And to feel all the hurt that you felt, the disappointment that you felt, the sadness you felt, all those tender feelings. And once you've made good progress on that, then get into your anger. Because the anger is there, because what he's doing was very unfair, and we naturally feel anger when we were treated unfairly. And to then stand up for yourself with him, we'll use a magic wand in your imagination to paralyze him so he can't respond, and really strongly re- express your anger that, that he's finding fault. No matter how well you're doing, he's finding fault. And, get, and just okay. get as angry as you can, express it as cleanly as you can, which is just simply... Just that. I am so angry that all you do is find fault. No matter how well I do, all you do is find fault. I'm so angry about. I'm so angry at you for doing that, and it's not okay with me. You want to make those two statements over and over again as, as strongly as you can, that you're angry that he did this, and it's not okay with you. All right. Okay. okay. I don't know. If, I don't remember. I, I did that in the in some of the demos and the. Recordings. I just don't remember which week it showed up in. Did it, did it already yeah. show up in any of the recordings that you heard me do that? Yes. Yes, it has. Okay, good. So, um, so you, anyway, you express the anger at what he did and say it's not okay with me as loudly and strongly, as intensely as you can. And then imagine an apology from him and him being appreciative. And you, you, know, you demand, he's like, okay, I want to hear what you liked about what I did, what I did well. I wanted some praise for what I did well. And then have him do that in your imagination or an ideal father, something like that, so that you get the, the praise and appreciation that you were craving at that time. Okay. And if even you do if this he is, for, what? Even if he's still the same way today? Yeah, because this is your internal father, not your real father. Okay. When we work with our parent in our in our in our memory, we're not working with our real parent. Like your dad's not on the phone with you, or or something like that. It's, this is all your memory. You see, one of the one of the things is is that we all uh, do something called internalizing our parent when we're treated 
um, intensely, <laughs> whether it's good or bad, right? We internalize a good, be good treatment and we also internalize bad treatment. So uh, what we're actually dealing with when we're working through these memories is our internal parent. And the bad news of our internal parent is our internal parent greatly resembles our real parent back at that time, right? But you see, some people, their internal, their real parent has already reformed, and all of a sudden they're much more nice and mellow and loving than they were when we were a child. And you would think, well, that should take care of it, right? Because now they're being really nice. But it doesn't because our internal parent that lives inside of us is still treating our, internal, our inner child in the same way our parent did originally. That's the bad news. That's what keeps the issue alive. The good news is that we can uh, change our internal parent by doing the kind of stuff I was just talking about. And just imagining that our internal parent gets it. Okay. And then they're able to, then after we've stood up for ourselves like that, then they're then able to give to us what we were needing. Okay. This, is, this goes beyond, beyond what was in the program um, a bit. You know, I just said basically have your adult self give to your young child, and that's good too. But yes. if you can also imagine your your inner parent reforming and, and giving to your, your young self, that's really great too. Okay. 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 Thank you. Yeah, you're you're very welcome. Thanks for the question. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and mute you. Um, everybody else, star eight, let me know you want to talk. And I'm going to go to the first uh, <clears throat> email question. All right. So here's here it is. I have many examples of painful situations in my childhood. Should I, should I do tapping on every strong memory? Um, and the answer to that is uh, no. Most of us have many examples of painful experiences growing up. Because you, typically our parent did the same thing over and over and over again. Um, the cool thing about EFT is there's something called the generalization effect. And that is if you uh, heal just a few representative memories, it generalizes over all of them. So something could have happened 100 times, 200 times, and all you have to do is heal around three or four memories. It's hard to know exactly for sure per person. It depends how thorough the healing was of each memory. Um, you know, Typically, if I work with somebody one-on-one, it usually just takes three. But working on your own, it might take three, four, maybe even five, but that's it. You know, and that will heal all 100 to 200 you know, examples of that behavior. Uh, and then the question is, which ones to pick? And I like, I like to talk about healing the first and worst memories. So you want to try and remember the, very, the, the youngest example of that negative behavior um, that you can think of. And, and then, so do that one first. And then after that, what are some of the worst examples you can think of that's still back in childhood? And usually before teenagehood. So it'd be like somewhere, you know, the first one should be ideally in the range of three to seven or eight years old. And then the rest of them could be still below 12, ideally. You can kind of broaden the age a bit. Um, so usually, you know, do about three and then see if that issue is, has any anything left to it. And you might have to do a, a fourth or a fifth one, but that's all it takes. It doesn't, you don't have to do all of them, which is fantastic. Otherwise, it'd take forever. Um, let's see. 
And there's a follow-up to this question. How can I work on the pain relating to my mother if I find it difficult to name the painful feeling regarding her? Um, so there are not very many emotions. We, there's, just like there's three primary colors that make up all the other colors, right? You know, red, red yellow, and blue. Um, there's five primary emotions so, and that make up all other emotions. And that is, so people can maybe write this down, it's mad, sad, glad, scared, and shame. And then there's all these variations and examples within each of those categories. So mad, angry, irritated, resentful, things like that. Sad slash hurt, because hurt is part in the sad category, but it's one of the most common feelings we have in relation to painful treatment. We feel hurt that our parent would treat us this way. Uh, glad, you're probably not feeling glad. <laughs> uh, scared or fear, that could very well be present. And shame, shame is feeling bad about ourselves uh, in response to what's happening. So if you're having trouble naming your emotions, I would just suggest that you try each one of those on for size. Just go, am I feeling mad? Am I feeling sad or hurt? Am I feeling scared? Am I feeling shame? And chances are you're actually probably going to feel a few of those, maybe even all four of them, of the you know, more painful ones. Uh, and then you just use those to work with it. Okay. So let's see. So I have a next um, uh, phone person from Texas. You're unmuted. Oh, hi, Stefan. This is Lynn. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, Lynn. So um, one of the things that I discovered um, just in the last few weeks about doing this program was about um, how my father never really acknowledged me as being a girl at all and how that really affected me or has affected me as an adult. Um, you know, there was no acknowledgement. Um, in fact, I, I was thinking back about how the gifts that he used to give me, like one time on Christmas, you know, he gave me a race car set. Or, you know, he would give me all of these, he would always buy me gifts that probably he wanted for himself. I mean, there was no boy. My father had three daughters. So, you know, there was always, uh, I always got these very kind of masculine gifts. And, I, you know, it made me really, you know, I mean, I was at a very vulnerable age, you know, where, you know, I wanted to be treated, you know, as, as as a little girl. And, you know, I never did receive that from him. And, um... So, you know, when you talk about then, you know, tapping on that and then, you know, healing the inner child, um, I've noticed myself, you know, even like when I got dressed this morning for work, you know, that that I, you know, instead of wearing flats, you know, I put heels on. Instead of, uh, you know, not wearing earrings, I put earrings on. I, You know, you know, I, I created, you know, a little more feminine look for myself because I do have sort of a, you know, very masculine, um, you know, or persona about me, and I always feel very envious, you know, women who do make an effort, you know, to look like women. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really, uh, you know, very something that had just been so buried in my subconscious that, uh, you know, that this program has brought out for myself. Well, that's a wonderful insight and realization that you got that. Because basically, yeah, it sounds like your dad was frustrated that he didn't have any sons. And so he was trying to turn you into a pseudo son. Mm-hmm. And so the message was is that your gender wasn't welcome. Mm-hmm. Right? That you see, we all try and mold ourselves to get more love from our parents. That's just normal for children to do. 
And so we're going to kind of go with whatever our parents are doing. And, and there's all these sort of unspoken, implied messages, you know, from the way our parents treat us. So in your case, the implied message is that, you know, I appreciate your maleness and I don't appreciate your, your femininity. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he was, like you said, he was relating to you as if you were a boy. That's mm-hmm. right. uh, which is different than being, a, you know, a tomboy, you know, which is, you know, a, a girl who's still a girl, but she likes basically physical activity and some of the things that boys are into. But that would come from the girl. Mm-hmm. Right? This was coming from him. He was imposing mm-hmm. this on you. And so it was, you, it was a way that, that kind of caused you to deny your femininity, femininity that has continued, you know, the rest of your life. Right. I mean, I, in fact, I, you know, thinking back that I've always been involved with men who didn't, you know, treat me like a lady, you know, yeah. um, uh, you know, or I, um, you know, men that will make like inappropriate sexual remarks to me, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really quite an eye opener that that's where all that stems from, you know, to, you know, sort of allow that sort of inappropriate behavior from from men now as an adult. Yeah. So what I would encourage you to do is two things. One is a healing thing, and the other is a behavioral thing. Mm-hmm. For the behavioral thing, I'll start with that because it's a little simpler. The behavioral thing, I was, I would, you're already doing it, right? You're, you're dressing more femininely, mm-hmm. and I would encourage you to, to be even more feminine underneath the clothes, like, like get into like super feminine stuff. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it, it just reminds me, I had this friend when I was in graduate school a long time ago who was kind of a, a bit of a masculine-ish woman. It was a female friend. And uh, I, I ended up, she ended up contacting me many years later, and we'd shared all sorts of really private stuff with each other. And she was telling me how at this point, at this later point in her life, like 15 years later or something, that she just loved lingerie. She goes, mm-hmm. I, just, I just love rolling around in it. She would say to me something like that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it was such an interesting contrast because I knew her as a you know, pretty masculine woman. And so to hear that, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive, right? And it just, it just struck me that you could do some of the similar stuff. Like it's almost, I'm going to cultivate, cultivate my secret garden. Exactly. Right? Like really nice lacy bras and underwear, mm-hmm. stockings and whatever that's you know, it's like like kind of ultra-feminine almost. It kind of nurture that part of you and mm-hmm. like get into the just the, the pleasure of it all. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. feeling of the fabrics and the various different things. You just kind of really get into it. Um, and then from a healing perspective, and then you can just kind of gradually, you know, embrace more and more of your femininity. Like let that mm-hmm. part of you grow. Because you're never going to lose the balance of the masculine side. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that part is pretty ingrained. We, you want to flesh out more the, the feminine side of you. Mm-hmm. In terms of the healing, uh, go back to that memory when you're given that present. And it's kind, kind of like the person I was just talking to where you feel the hurt of not being seen as a girl. Mm-hmm. And get into all those feelings. And once you've, you know, made good progress on the hurt and the sadness of not being seen as a girl and being appreciated as a girl, it's not just you weren't seen that way, but you weren't being appreciated that way, mm-hmm. um, then get into some anger about it. Like, hey, 
this is not okay. You know, I'm sorry you didn't have any boys, but don't put it on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still a girl, mm-hmm. and this is not okay with me. Mm-hmm. And then do what I said for the first person is imagine an ideal father um, really appreciating you as a girl. Daddy's little princess kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, him just, you know, telling you how cute you are and how pretty you are and, you know, inviting you to sit in his lap and just make a big fuss around you. Exactly. Right? Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely will um, will try that, you know, add that to um, the healing part of it. Definitely. Okay, cool. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right, then. Let's see. I had a, We have a chat message. Pretty quick, Glenn. So is it necessary, necessary to tap until emotions are at zero, or is a, a one or a two okay out of ten? Um, I'll tell you this. It is, ideally, you do want to get all the way to a zero. Um, I find that most people don't seem to have the patience for that, and they'll stop at a one or two. But here's one of the problems with stopping at a one or two. And that is, is that we're all very good at suppressing our emotions. And as we get towards low numbers, we'll tend to suppress what's left to the point where even if we tap all the way to zero, we're not even really at zero. We've just sort of suppressed it. Because one of the things we learn, you know, when I train EFT practitioners, I'll, I'll say, when a, you know, try and get clients down to zero, and when they say they're at zero, test to see if they really are at zero. And the way um, we test our uh, test to see if a client's really at zero is we invite our client to replay the memory and make it more intense somehow, make the images bigger and brighter, make the sounds louder, bring the the action closer, things like that. Because if you have truly, fully healed the memory, there's no way to get upset about it. Right? If you're truly at a real zero, there's nothing you can do that will bring up the intensity in any way. But often, almost 100% of the time, that, that's how often, um, a client will say they're at zero, and then I'll just try that little technique of, okay, replay the memory more intensely, and it'll come up to uh, two or three. So they really weren't at zero. So if you extrapolate to that, and you stop it at one or two, you might be even you might be a three, even a four, right? It's kind of like it's higher than you think it is. So I would encourage you to go down to at least what feels like a zero to you. And if you want, you could even test it the way I said, which is to replay the memory, you know, again, trying to make it more intense, trying to get yourself upset about it. If you truly heal the memory, it's, it's impossible to get upset about it. So that'd be my answer to that question. All right, so. Uh, just to remind, uh, the, there's a couple people who came on who are listening uh, online. If you, you can interact with me by typing a chat message like that other person just did. And the only qu- issue is, is that <clears throat> it only displays, it only gets four lines at a time. So if, you're, if your message to me is longer than four lines, split it up into four line chunks. So otherwise it gets cut off at the, after the fourth line. And for people on the phone, press star 8 to let me talk, uh, to let me know you want to talk, and I'll call on you at the first opportunity. You don't have to wait till I'm done answering the next question. All right, so here's the next uh, email question. I can remember lots of memories of my whole life, but can only remember very few memories during the age of 0 to 8. They are, all, they are also vague. And the reason why this person is saying 0 to 8 is, you know, all of our life issues are pretty much in place by the time we're 8. That's why... You ideally want to do healing on memories of that age range. Um, they are the most important memories. 
when we do EFT, do you think I can unexpectedly recall the memories of that age period? Okay, so this is a common challenge for people that they, it's hard for them to remember stuff that happened in that age range. Uh, I often get a new client, and as we first start working together, they'll even say, I don't remember anything from my childhood. <laughs> I have, like, no memories from anything below 12. You know, older childhood, like second half, you know, kind of 12 into our teenage years, that people generally remember pretty much. But the first half of their childhood, a lot of people have a hard time remembering that. And that's because we kind of tend to block it all out. Because lots of times there's painful stuff. And even if there's a mixture of, you know, good memories and bad memories, um, because of the bad ones, we'll just kind of block out that whole period. So there's two, two ways to deal with that. One is the more memories you work on, the more things coming back, start coming back to you. So as you hear, lots of times when you hear somebody else's memory, uh, it'll trigger memory in you, even if that memory has got nothing to do with your memory, right? There's no similarity or anything. And yet, just the act of hearing that person's memory from that time period will, for whatever reason, just remind you of one of your own memories. So that can be a really helpful thing. Um, the other thing you can do is to realize that anything that your parent did when you were, say, 13, they also did when you were five because it's the same parent. And they, you know, they treat you the same way your whole childhood. So even though you don't remember them doing that kind of thing when you were five, just assume that they did. And you can kind of create a memory then. The, the key is just to kind of go back to remembering when you were around five. I like five because it's a fairly memorable age for people who can remember their childhood. And it's young enough to be within that zero to eight range. So lots of times I'll say, okay, I know you're not able to directly remember this happening when you're five. Just, just get in touch with being five. Is that, we can usually do that. Like close your eyes, see your bedroom, you know, see the house you're living in at the time, see the living room, see the kitchen, see yourself, just remember a picture of you when you're five, that kind of thing. <clears throat> Go back to being five. And then just imagine that your parent did this negative behavior at that age and work with it there. <clears throat> you can also do that with a vague memory. When we're trying to do these healings, it doesn't have to be on a, on a clear, specific incident memory. I mean, ideally you'd use that, but if you can't, what we can usually remember is the scenario of what happened. Like, this is the kindest thing that happened, and this is the tone of voice my parent used, and these were the kinds of things that my parents said, and this was the kind of feeling I was receiving. You know, their, their parent, parent was angry or critical or condemning or distant or whatever they were. And you can just kind of make up a memory in a way that just includes all the elements of the, of the stuff that they did. So you're not totally making it up. You're just kind of using that general scenario as the memory, as if it was a specific memory. And then do your healing there as you're remembering being that age of around five. And I find that works great with my clients. That's what I recommend for you guys. Um, so star eight, if you're on the phone, Type a chat message if you're listening online, and nobody's doing either, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next question. Um, okay, let's see. What what if I uh, let's see? Well, this person says in the U form. I'm going to translate it to the I form. What if I have no faith that I will ever find a healthy, wonderful guy? What what tapping can I do to change this belief that I only attract assholes or aloof men? <laughs> okay, there. 
Well, first of all, if uh, you are early in the program, one of the things I'm going to tell you is that it's it's if that's all you've had before, you've only attracted assholes and aloof men. First of all, uh, asshole is a is a, an enjoyable way to you know kind of a juicy way to describe it. But I would encourage you to be more specific. Specifically, how were they being an asshole? Because that's the thing that you're going to be healing. So the idea is this, this applies to pretty much, you know to, to lots of people. If we have bad experiences over and over again, that's discouraging. And we can start to feel hopeless and, and then have, like you say, no faith that you'll ever find a healthy, wonderful partner. That's understandable and normal. But the, the way we can get more faith, more hope, is to realize that there's a reason why you've only been attracting these negative partners, and that's because these people have the same negative traits as one or, or the other parents. So if, you have an, if you've been attracting aloof men, you probably had one or more emotionally distant parents. Uh, if you had asshole partners, like I say, the, you're going to want to get more specific about that because when you do, you'll probably recognize that that particular negative way of behaving that you've been attracting, again, matches one or, or the other parent. When you do the healing work that we've been talking about, uh, those negative traits, three to five memories per negative trait, what you'll find is that you will stop being attracted to those kinds of partners. And a great way to notice that that's, that's happening is to have a reference person, somebody who is that kind of person, an aloof uh, asshole in a specific way, that in spite of your better judgment, you still feel a gut-level attraction to this person. And let's say it's a fairly high number on a scale of 0 to 10. Let's say it's an 8 or so. What you want to do is... After each memory that you heal, uh, addressing one or the other of those negative traits, check back in to see how attracted you are to this reference guy. And what you'll probably notice is that your level of attraction this person will keep dropping until you get to zero. When you get to zero, you can pretty confidently know that you are no longer attracted to aloof asshole guys in that particular way. And that can help you feel much more hopeful. So it's not just tapping on, you know, having faith and feeling hopeless. You can do some tapping on that too, feeling hopeless. But the more impactful thing is to do the healing and to discover that, oh my God, I am not attracted to those kind of men anymore, which means I'm not going to have those kind of partners anymore. And that's going to make you feel way more hopeful about your future of being with a wonderful, healthy guy. And then the thing to do after that is just clear your fears and limiting beliefs that are interfering you know, with being with your ideal partner, you know, that makes it harder for you to approach somebody or, or, or just interact with that kind of person. Right? So it's basically two general phases of the healing process. But the, you know, the big, super important one in the beginning is just you know, to stop being attracted to these you know, negative partners. And we, there's a clear way to do that. So, all right, back to the online people. And the phone people, star 8 if you're on the phone, type a chat message if you're online. And I'll go back to the next uh, email question since we have a bunch here. Okay, so here's one. Um, when that guy I met on holidays asked me out, but he was too far away, would that mean I am on stage 2.5 as you discussed in your video, the three phases of dating, making sense of the madness? In other words that this is more progress on my part. Um, so, 
For those of you who have never watched my video, The Three Phases of Dating, Making Sense of the Madness, I highly, highly encourage you to watch it. It's one of my best videos ever. And uh, those people who watch it, I, you know, give me that feedback that they thought it was one of my best videos. And basically what it, what it does is it describes the three phases you're going to go through as you go through the breakthrough program um, in your dating life. So the first phase, and I'll just try and give a super brief version. It's a 24-minute video, so there's a lot to this. So I'm going to give you a really quickie version. I'm trying to give you a 60-second version. Phase one is where we all start, where we're attracted to the wrong people and too afraid to be with the right person. That's unhealthy dating is where we start. Um, once you've healed the first block so that you're no longer attracted to the wrong people, you enter phase two, uh, where you're no longer attracted to the wrong people, yay, but you're still too afraid to be with the right person, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in phase two. And one of the issues with phase two is about if you're not ready to be with the right, your ideal partner, what do you do instead? And it's about either playing it safe or it can be about experiencing a lot of drama where you're trying to go for it when you're not really ready, and which is, which is still progress, right? It can be chaotic. It can be problematic. But you're no longer attracting wrong people, so you've made good progress, but it can be confusing. That's why I made this video is to help people really particularly understand phase two. Once you've worked through your fears and limiting beliefs sufficiently, you will enter phase three, which is wonderful, healthy dating, which is where you're, there's nothing stopping you from being with your ideal partner. And phase three is just about deciding, is this wonderful person I'm dating right now quite wonderful enough? Like, are we matched well enough that this is my life partner versus just a really great person? Right? All the people you'll, you'll be in relationships with in phase three are going to be great people. Just, is it the one? All right, so this phase two, I talked about something in phase 2.5. You can learn about that in the video. So is it a sign? So this person, uh, so that one of the things that you can do in phase two as you're getting further along in phase two, like phase 2.5, is you can, you can start to get close to what you really want, um, but you're still too afraid to have what you really want, so you build in safety by picking somebody who's got most of what you want with one fatal flaw, which keeps it safe. Right? And the fatal flaw could be they're too far away, or they're married, right? or there's some major difference, like you want children, they don't. Something that, make, that guarantees that the relationship cannot work, but allows you to get closer to what you're ideally looking for. Um, so yeah, that could be going on. If uh, you had this really great connection with somebody in the holidays who's asking you out, but he's too far away. Um, so it would be a sign of progress. Uh, then there's sort of a second question here. It says, do you think the guy should always be chasing the girl as in the rules? Um, the answer to that is no. <laughs> I think the rules and things like that is distorted. It's about uh, – it's a ch challenge you want to answer quickly. That one's it's, – it's about being ourselves. It's about being authentic. Um, it's, there's nothing wrong with a woman making it clear to the guy, even if you want to be more traditional about things, you know, and kind of let the guy, you know, take more of the initiative, doesn't mean you can't let the guy know that you're interested, that you welcome his attention. You know, it, it depends on, you know, kind of where you are wanting to be in this spectrum. But I really would encourage you not to think of something like the rules where there's the way you're supposed to be, right? It's really about two people getting to know each other. Ideally, if you ever th if you think back of your, you know, one of your closest friends and you remember how that evolved, 
in a way, that's almost the ideal model for a healthy romantic relationship, which is it evolves in the same way that your best friend relationship evolves when you first met each other with the added zing of the romantic energy, right? And there's, there's a lot of mutuality there. So anyway, that's a, a more complicated question to answer. It's going to be tough to try and do in a short time here. Uh, we have a phone person, so you're unmuted. Uh, hi, Stefan. It's Michelle again. Hey, Michelle. Hi, my question is, um, I'm noticing as I'm doing the tapping that sometimes I'll have a memory that applies to several different negative traits. Uh Like um, I have maybe angry parent and then unavailable parent, but there'll be one memory that applies to both. Should I, is it okay to use that memory multiple times or should I try to think of um, other memories to use? Yeah, you can use a memory multiple times. There's a way you can do do them both at the same time if you reform your inner parent. I mentioned that a lot in this call. I know it's not part of the program. But it's, it's something uh, that's a little bit more advanced. And it's a little hard to try and go over. But I'm going to try and share with you guys a little bit more. If you can reform your internal parent so that your internal parent can be can be loving towards your inner child at the end of the is it sort of the last thing you do in the in the session for yourself? Then you can actually tackle those two at the same time. Okay. Right. Um, because you know, unavailable is a, is the opposite of loving, right? Loving right. is the opposite of unavailable. So if there's the angry stuff, so yeah, we, you want to we want to address that in the same way I've been saying all this whole time. Address start with the vulnerable feelings, the hurt, the fear. When a parent's angry, it's scary. Um, the hurt and sadness, all that stuff. And then eventually stand up the parent, let the parent know that this is not okay to do to treat you that way, that you're angry, it's not okay, stuff like that. And then ideally, imagine your internal parent getting it. And you can even just use a magic wand to give them all the healing they need, you know, that came from their childhood to reform them so that they're now able to apologize for what they did, ideally even, and to be loving. And if you okay. can incorporate that, you'd be able to accomplish both things at the same time. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right, so let's see. Next question. Remember, star eight for you guys on the line. The phone, chat messages. Um, chat messages uh, if you're listening online. And here's uh, the next email question. Okay. Now this is a two-part question. Actually, two questions, and normally I would uh, read them and answer them separately. It's just that the turns out that the second question actually contains the answer to the first question. So I'm going to do them both. And this is going to be my last email question. Okay. So it goes like this: It's been a number of years since I completed your program, and during that time, I have manifested a number of partners who have helped me heal further. So right that right away that. <coughs> Excuse me. Says I f- and I feel like I am now closer to manifesting the right mate for myself because I experience peace, patience, and deep self-love more often than not. So it sounds like this person has made a lot of progress. And if you've manifested a number of partners who have helped you heal further, it sounds like the quality of your partners has gotten better. This, the same question goes on to say, are there other clues to look for when, when we are close to manifesting? For example, do you start attracting more dates if you are online? 
do you start attracting more attention from men when you're, when you're at parties or bars? Are there certain common experiences to expect before the right person manifests? If that is not happening, should we explore our resistance? Okay, so normally I would start there and answer it, but question two, like I said, actually contains the answer to this question. Okay, so question two. Is it okay to work on achieving several goals at once? For example, I'm also looking to manifest a new job. I have great clarity about the type of job I'm looking for when I focus on my vision. Oh, and when I focus on my vision, I notice that I have some of the same negative beliefs that I have around attracting my partner. For example, I'm not worthy of a new job. This seems to stir the same core feelings as I'm not worthy of love. Um, I feel inspired to work on the two goals, job and partner, at the same time, but I wonder sometimes if I should work on one goal at a time. Can you advise? All right, so the ans- like I say, the answer to the first question is in the second question. If you're imagining uh, you know, the, your ideal job and you're feeling that you're not worthy of the new job and it stirs the same core feelings of not worthy of love, it sounds like that's the thing that still is not quite sufficiently addressed for you to have your ideal partner. It sounds like you made a lot of progress in that area because, you're, like you said, you're feeling more, uh, let's see, well, you're feeling a lot of positive stuff. Uh, where did it go in the question? More, you know, more self-love, more, more. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. More peace, patience, and, and deep self-love more often than not. But it sounds like there's a part of you that still qu- doesn't quite feel deserving of what you're ideally wanting. So you've gotten, you've had better relationships, you've had better experiences, um, and which is a sign of a lot of progress but it's fallen short of what you're ideally wanting, and it sounds like you're not quite getting you know, as, as much attention as you want. So I'm, I would say that it's, it, you need to address the feeling of not deserving more thoroughly. Because to the extent that you don't feel like you deserve it, that's going to affect what you're manifesting, both from a law of attraction sense and also from a sense of if you actually encountered your ideal partner, if you don't feel deserving of that partner, you're going to shy away from that person or subtly sabotage it. Uh, that was where I was at. I had this ironclad belief that, you know, the kind of woman that I thought was my ideal type of woman just couldn't possibly be interested in me. So for years, I, just, I couldn't get near them. And the first woman that I finally tried to go for, who I thought was, oh, wow, she's amazing, uh, I just couldn't be myself. I just totally sabotaged myself. But that can happen, you know, at less... It was obvious to me it was happening, but I just was helpless to do anything about it. I had more work to do. Um, but it can happen at more subtle levels, too. So I would suggest that you address the deservingness thing uh, until that feels better. Um, and then as far as where to meet people online, sure, you can go online. I actually have a video about where to meet people, you know, for dating, and uh, I love talk Q&A series. So if you go to my channel and just kind of scan all my videos, you'll find that one, and that will give you all my thoughts about the best ways to meet people. Um, so I encourage you and everybody else to check that out. All right, so that was the last, and it is, oh, and it is okay to work on both goals because, as you notice, they do share the same limiting belief in common about not deserving. So absolutely, go for both goals because you know the same has the same solution in both cases. So. You're all set. All right, so we got uh, 16 minutes left in the call. I have no more email questions, so it's up to you guys who are on the call with me. Uh, if you're on the phone, star 8 to let me know you, you want to talk. 
you're listening online, then uh, type in your chat message. Okay, good. Uh, okay, so somebody, one of the chat people is uh, says, I thought you weren't a fan of online dating. Did you recommend the book Chicken Soup of Dating or something similar? I assume you mean Chicken Soup of the Soul for Dating? Or um, I, I have mixed feelings about online dating. <clears throat> I actually talk about it in my video. Uh, I think the current statistic is pretty amazing. It's like 25 or 30% of all marriages came from people who met online. So it, I think it's a good resource. I think it's not to be... Um, you know, to, not to be taken advantage of because you can meet people that way. I think one of the biggest problems with online dating, as I say in the video, is it can suck up all your time. Uh, I, there's times when I used it, I just spent almost all my free time online in some way or going on dates with people I met online or searching or, you know, chatting or email exchanging, all this stuff. It can be a huge time sink. Uh, so if you use online dating, I, I would recommend deciding how many hours a week you want to put into it and kind of limit yourself to that. Um, I think there are other methods that are ultimately more effective than online dating. Um, again, not to say you shouldn't use online dating, but I just think there's some even better ones in addition to online dating. And I talk about them in the video. And since I only have 14 minutes left, I would, I would really recommend you guys go watch the video to get my recommendations. Um, I did not re recommend any particular dating books. I don't have anything to suggest there. But the video, I have all my recommendations. Um, you're, you know, Everybody on chat, feel free to just keep typing messages, and I'll keep responding to them as I can. And I have a uh, phone person here. So go ahead. Hi, this is Nell. Hey, Nell. I, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about uh, clearing resistance. Some of the things that I'm working on now, I probably would have worked on long ago, except I keep shying away from them. Well, so give me an example that you're something you're resisting clearing or working on. Um, well, I ultimately got to this, but I was resisting working on um, being uh, turned loose of by my mother when I was three and she had a, a high-need baby and and I was on my own and, and I thought it was my fault. She shamed yeah. me into not asking for any attention. Yeah. And so I just kept, I'd be thinking I was going to work on it, and then I'd find myself working on something else or not working on anything, and it, it was really hard. I kind of snuck up on it ultimately. Well, that's just it. The, the, the reason why it's hard for you to address that one is <clears throat> it's, it's one of these catch-22s, is that the, the wound itself is going to make it hard to work on it because it's... It, you the, the the wound was about being alone in your feelings, right? Yes. Your, your mother made it clear that she did not want to deal with them, right? She had right. no energy to be a mother. And instead of owning it, it's like, oh, I can't. I mean, even if she owned it, it still wouldn't be good because you still would leave you alone. But even if she owned it and says, you know, I just, I'm sorry, I don't have the energy to be there for you. She took it even further, and she shamed you and tried to make you wrong for having your feelings. So it became a double wound, right? The wound of yes. her not being there for your emotions, which is kind of the whole point of parenting, that you're there for your children and their emotions, not just their physical needs. 
but she also made you wrong for having them. So to try and address them on your own is kind of you being with your emotions alone again, right? Right. And you already feel wrong. There's a part of you who's going to feel wrong for having them. And that's a lot of intense stuff to try and do on your own. So sometimes we have resistance to something because the very wound itself makes it tough to address by ourselves. So one of the things you can do, it was, so you have two options. One is you can do it with somebody, right? It doesn't even have to be a, a therapist or a coach. Or it could be just your friend. Say, could you just sit with me while I tap on this? And you just kind of share what's going on. And say, I just can't be alone in this because that was the original wound, right? So you yeah. can tap with somebody, with a friend who, who cares about you, and just sit there. And that, and that, that could be plenty sufficient. Or with somebody professional, right? That's the other option. If you if you really want to try and do it alone, then you want to tap on. Uh, this is why it's a bit of a again back to being a bit of a catch twenty two. You, you need to tap on um, the uh, like I'm afraid to be alone in these feelings, right? These are painful feelings. I'm afraid to to be alone with them again. I was always alone with my feelings. I'm afraid to be alone with them again. But you can see why this is a catch twenty two, right? It's like, mm-hmm. It's tough. So certain wounds are tough that way for that reason. So you can kind of sneak up on it. You can you can imagine somebody with you would be another option, you know, in your healing process. Like if you have somebody who is like one of your closest friends or a special relative who maybe you didn't see them that often, but they were just super loving when you saw them. And you can kind of imagine as you close your eyes and working with your inner child that this loving person is also with you. you know, anything you can do to not feel alone in the process, I guess. I think what I ultimately did was I, I went and got the inner child and sort of picked her up and held her and, and tapped the whole thing through on both of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a challenging one. Because the wound was about being alone with your feelings and being made wrong to have your feelings. That's hard. So it sounds like you're you're doing good stuff. And does does any of my ideas seem like they might be helpful? Well, it makes me realize I don't really have anybody to sit with me to while I tap. Okay. Uh, how about somebody who could be with you on the phone while you tap? Um. Yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, I do. Okay. They don't have to be yeah. physically present, just as long as they're with you. Yeah. And you can help just to do it out loud. And you say, you know, you don't have to do anything. Just just listen as I go through this. And just, just care about me. I just need to feel you're caring. And, yeah, that's uh, helpful. Yeah, yeah. That could be, really, be really helpful. So, yeah, it's just, it's a, that's a very painful, like, double wound that kind of leaves you, makes it tough to address it. Well, I, I think it's also an example of... Uh, the parent uh, passing it on to the child if she couldn't ask for help with this needy baby, so she told me I couldn't ask for her help, and now I can't ask for help. Yeah, right. Right, because it made you feel like it was it was wrong for you to ask for help. Oh, she, make it hard yeah, for you. she said it was, that it, it was selfish for me to ask for help. Right, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it. A little kid, they have needs. Your, your whole point of being a parent is that you're there for your child's needs of all kinds. So to put it to blame the kid for having needs is like just so messed up. So yeah, I feel really yeah. bad that you had to ex- 
Thank your you. knees were okay. They were perfectly normal. I mean, you, you were describing yourself as high knees. There is no such thing. There is just the knees. You know? It's it's okay. Whatever knees you had were fine. They were completely normal. Just because she wasn't feeling able to be there for your knees doesn't make your knees wrong. It means that she wasn't in a position to be a mother, really. Yes. Yeah. You can also imagine an ideal mother with you. That's another one, another thing you can do. Imagine what you what an ideal mother would be like and then imagine she's with you through this whole process. Loving at the end. You know, that final stage where your adult self gives to your your child. Also have a, imagine an ideal mother. You know, affirming what I said, that your knees are perfectly fine. These are good, and I'm here for you in your needs. That's interesting. I can picture that, but it would, she wouldn't look anything like my real mother. I'd always okay. thought that I had to have a be my real mother only only uh, healed herself. But now I'm realizing, no, I don't. I could have anybody could be my mother. You could. Um, yeah, you know. If, Sometimes people will use a mother from TV. You know, I know these are idealized mothers, right? But why not? You know, anything that you can use is great. Um, if you can reform your actual mother, your actual internal mother, remember, not your real mother, um, that can be a little better, even. And some people have great success having a magic wand that says, I use this magic wand to give my mother all the healing that she needs to, you know, break out of this negative behavior, right, because we're healing the issues, so that she can get in touch with her love and be loving in the way that I always need her to be. And then they let their internal mother, who's different than her real mother, you know, have that healing transformation and then be loving to their inner child. That's kind of the ideal thing if you can do it. Some people have a hard time letting that happen, though, so it depends on what you're able to do. But if you can let that happen, then... um, like some people, it's easier for them to let it happen as if, if they almost imagine some of the therapy sessions that their internal mother goes through to get there. And it feels more real. Like, ah, oh, okay, I can kind of imagine her doing this and this and this, and now she's healed, you know? Yeah. yeah. Whatever you can Have do. Have other issues for. Yeah. So, so thank you very much for that question. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right, so uh, five minutes left, five-minute countdown. Star eight for the rest of the people. I know everybody's asked a question already, but you can ask another one. You have five minutes left to do it. Oh, so, okay, one of the chat people says, to visualize the internal mother, should she look like my real mother? If you're working with your internal parent, mother or father, then yeah, it should look like your parent looked at that age. Um, so that's what you, that's who you're interacting with in the memory, particularly when you're standing up to the person, you know, doing the anger phase of things. Um, so just kind of, if you can see them the way they looked back at that age, um, some people can't visualize anything, which is like me. Like it's actually 50% of the population do not see images when they try and visualize things. Um, if you're one of those people who cannot actually visualize and picture things, uh, just feel the presence of the person. You know, you might get like little flashes and glimpses. I, I get that sometimes. Um, some people can just see things like a movie. It's amazing. Um, the rest of us, you know, little 
flashes of images, just senses. I might hear the tone of voice better. You know, it's kind of you know kind of more vague. It's not visual very much for me, but you still get the same thing. It's it's your internal parent. And if you can see things, then yeah, make them look like your real mother did at or father at that age. All right, four minutes left. Any more questions? Star eight on the phone. More chat messages. The online people. Oh, can we do some tapping? Perhaps for confidence, our soulmate will find and or uh, will find him or her. Um, the Q and A calls are not actually tapping sessions. These are designed for me to uh, ask or answer people's questions. Not really a tapping thing. Um, there are lots of you know. I've got over 30 recorded sessions in the um, in the program, so you get lots of things to tap on. Uh, in fact, the first week there's that rec that rec recording that that helping somebody helping you increase your hopefulness. Remember from week one is at the end of the call. Plus, I separated out so it's its own recording. If you want to, uh, imp you know, boost your feelings about uh, you know reducing your discouragement and increasing your hopefulness, I would encourage you to redo that that recording. Each week, actually, just do it once each week to kind of help boost your sense of hopefulness and reduce your discouragement and stuff like that. So that'd be better than me trying to tap for a couple of minutes here. You already, you already have that. All right, two minutes left. Time for one last question. Anybody have a question? Chat. Um, sorry, on the phone. All right. Doesn't look like anybody has any more questions. So uh, we have our next call next week on the 17th, and that'll be the last one for this month. And then we'll be doing once a month after that. I did a special four week four weekly series for the people that did launch and had a bunch of people sign up at the same time. So I like doing that. And then from now on, it's uh, just it'll be one call a month. Well, next we have one more still this month, and then after that, be one call a month until uh, I do my next launch and another big influx of people. So anyway, I look forward to seeing you all next week. Take care, everyone. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.